Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. continually be in my mouth. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, welcome to a word from God radio broadcast on blogtalkradio.com. I am your radio hostess, Evangelist Rebecca Collier Hatchman. And I want you to know that God has a designed word for you, especially you today. Psalms 119 and 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Because when we have the word of God in our lives, that means that everything about us makes a complete change. 
And then Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Meaning that God will illuminate every step that we make as we walk towards our purpose in Christ Jesus. Well, it brings me great joy to come before you today right here on blogtalkradio.com and to share a word from God with you. I want to say thank you to all who have been following the broadcast. I want to thank you for your encouraging words and for your support. And I want you to know that I truly, truly do appreciate you listening every day and joining me here on blogtalkradio.com, a word from God. Well, I'm so glad to be back with you on today. Uh, The last time I uh, was with you, I did, um, I believe it was last Friday. And just a little announcement here. uh, On tomorrow, I believe the 18th and the 19th, I will not be on the air, but I will be back on the air Friday on the 20th at 3 o'clock p.m. I have something previous that I had to do, so I will be off of the air on the 18th and the 19th of September, but I will be back September 20th at 3 o'clock p.m. And uh, so we're going to, I'm going to go ahead right now before I get into the Word of God and before I kind of do a little uh, recap of what we talked about the other day, I'm going to do a uh, play a song for you. And I just want you to sit back and just kind of relax and let the Holy Spirit just minister to you through this song. God bless you.
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We just glorify God today for that song that I love the Lord. He heard my cry. Hallelujah. How many of you know today that God does hear our cry? When we need him, when we cry out to him, God is there for us. All you have to do is just cry out unto the Lord, and he will be there for you. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Well, we're going to go ahead and get started on today's lesson. Um, I want to go ahead and pray first, and then we will get started. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. We give you all glory, all honor, and praise. We thank you for being Lord of our lives. We thank you for being the Savior of our lives. We thank you, Lord God, for dying on the cross for all of our sins. I pray, Father God, right now that whatever situations those who are listening to this program are going through right now, Lord, whether they're listening live or it's going to be on demand, that you will meet the need. You will meet that situation, Father God, that you will pour into their lives a word that will set them free. Father God, that you will pour into their hearts a a spirit of deliverance, O God, that they will not have to continue going down the same road, continue going the same way that they've been going. Lord God, we ask you for peace and comfort right now for each and every one that's going through something, Father God, where they're grieving or hurting. And then, Lord God, we just pray that others will be empowered and uplifted by the word of God. And, Lord God, if they do not know you, we pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus, that you will touch with somebody's soul, somebody's spirit will be saved today, where they will give their heart and their life to Jesus Christ to forever be the Lord of their life. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, once again, I do want to say thank you for listening to our radio broadcast. And as many of you know, we are doing the um, study of eschatology. Eschatology means the study of end times. And many of you know that right now we are pretty much living in the end times. And even though we don't know the day nor the hour, the month, the year, the minute, the time that Jesus is going to appear, we can know uh, some things about the season that he uh, can appear. Uh, Still, no date, no time, because a season... We don't really know how long that lasts. It could be 100 years. It could be 1,000 years. But whenever he comes back, whether we're here on the earth or whether um, we've gone on to glory, um, we still want to make sure that we are ready and that our lives are compatible with Christ's life and that we're we're in the right... um, with him, that everything about us and him is connected. And so um, we are, God gave me this assignment to speak on the end time. So last time that I was on the air with you, we talked about three events that would take place in heaven right after the rapture, which would be the Bema Seat Judgment, 
which would be the rewards in heaven that we will receive after the judgment. And then we would be talking about uh, the marriage of the Lamb and the marriage feast. And so I'm going to kind of recap a little bit about the rewards um, because I recapped last week on the um, on the judge on on the judgment, what uh, the different things that uh, would take place during the judgment. But now I'm going to recap on the um, some of the areas that that Christ will possibly be looking at uh, when we are to be judged, and then we'll also talk about the the five crowns that we talked on last time. So just a little recap, um, what are some of the areas that we might find that Christ will uh, judge us in an area? Uh, Maybe it has to do with our obedience. You know, were we obedient to Christ? Um, Did we follow the great commission that we find in Matthew 28, 19, and 20 that tells us to, um, uh, let's go to that verse in chapter, it's Matthew 28, 19, 20. It says, ye therefore, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the earth. Have you been obedient in this area? Uh, did we control our tongues? You know, a lot of times what happens is we'll hear a good piece of gossip and we'll go on and repeat it, or we'll use our mouths to speak cursings. Uh, the Bible says we can't curse and bless out of the same mouths, and many of us are not using our mouths for blessings, but we're using them for cursing. So the Holy Spirit, may, uh, Jesus may say, uh, how did you use your mouth? Were you using your mouth to witness, to tell people about me, or were you using it to tear others down? Another area that we might be uh, judged in is, did we pray? How often do you pray? The scripture says to pray without ceasing. This doesn't mean that you're praying 24-7 and, and can't do anything else, but it means that you stay in an attitude of prayer that even while you're working, even in your spirit man, it's it's just so used to praying that even your spirit man, uh, from time to time, you'll hear yourself just saying, Father, I thank you. Lord, I glorify you. Lord, bless this situation. Lord, bless that situation. Lord, heal this person. Lord, heal that person. Do you have a time of prayer? that you've set up for yourself for you to go and talk to God. Maybe he's going to ask us about studying. Did we study his word? A lot of times, many of us, we wait until Sunday morning when we go to church, and then we'll crack open our Bible, tune up our iPad or or, or um, our little uh, tablet of some sort or our cell phone, and that will be the first time we crack that app on our Bible app. And that would be on Sunday uh, when the pastor says turn two. You know, a lot of times we only seem to want to eat one meal a week when it comes to the word of God. But in the natural, we eat every day. We eat three, four, five, six times a day possibly because we're feeding ourselves. We're nourishing ourselves. We're giving ourselves 
bodily uh, energy. Well, it's the same way. We need spiritual energy. We need to be empowered spiritually. We need to be fed spiritually so that we can know what to do when we have to face our enemy. Uh, God may ask us, Jesus may ask us, did you walk in love or did you learn to forgive? Forgiveness is one area that many of us as Christians, we don't always seem to want to do. But the Bible says that if we don't forgive, our Father in heaven can't forgive us of our sins. So we have to be very, very careful. Do we walk in love? Do we only love those that treat us right? Or are we able to love the unlovable? Are we able to love the racist down the street? Are we able to love someone that's harmed us or hurt us or spoke evil against us? Are we able to to love someone who has cheated on us or mistreated us in any way? Are we able to do that? We can only do that prayer. We can only do that through prayer. Uh, We can only love through prayer. We can only forgive through prayer. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to help us to be able to do these things. Then we talked about... um, the the rewards. Now, the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about rewards, but it does mention a few things. And, uh, you know, we know about the, um, it says in my father's house are many mansions. If it was not true, I would not have told you. Jesus says he goes to prepare a place for us in uh, John 14, verse 2. So um, God will have a beautiful place in heaven for us to live because that's what Jesus is doing. He's gone to prepare a place for us. Um, Then it talks about the crown. The first crown is an incorruptible crown. This is for those who are able to master uh, their old nature. They, uh, They discipline their bodies and they have self control. You know, they don't allow sin and self-gratification to be the thing that leads them. Some people say, well, I just couldn't help it. I just had to. You know, I mean, it was just right there in our face. But we can, as godly men and women, we can choose to have self-control, even when we're dieting sometimes. We say, well, it looks so good. I mean, we're all guilty. You know, I'm guilty as well, you know, but... We must have discipline. So the incorruptible crown is for those who master their own nature, that they keep it up under control, that they have discipline of their bodies, and they have self-control. Uh, you can find that in First Corinthians chapter nine, verses twenty, uh, verses twenty, verse twenty-five, and then the um, the second crown is the crown of rejoicing. This is given to soul winners. People whom we influence for Christ are our crown of joy and our glory. You can find that in Daniel's chapter 12, verse 3. You can find it in 1 Thessalonians 2 and 19. The crown of rejoicing. How many people since you've been saved? Have you led to Christ, that you've honestly led to Christ, and you've helped to train and disciple them so that they can go forth and win other souls 
to Christ, and those souls can go forth after being trained and discipled to to win souls. What we're doing is we're building the kingdom of God, but we need those that aren't afraid to speak up and say, yes, I'm a Christian, and I love God. Then there is the crown of life. This is given to those who successfully endure temptation and are patient in their trials. Many of us have gone through some horrendous trials and some horrendous sufferings and some tribulation that would knock other people down to their knees, but we endured and we didn't give up and we didn't stop. And if we didn't tell the Lord, you know, God, I can't do this. I mean, sometimes we do say, Lord, I can't do it. But in all honesty, if you're saying that, God will give you the strength to help you to endure everything we do. We have got to turn for him. But for those of us who are who successfully endure temptation and are patient in their trials, you will get the crown of life found in James chapter 1 and verse 12. And then there is the crown of righteousness given to those who love the appearing of Jesus Christ's coming in the rapture. Can you believe it? Just because you believe, just because you have hope in his return, in his blessed hope, in the rapture taking place, Jesus says there is a crown for you, a crown of righteousness, hallelujah, just for you. That's found in Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. And then there is the crown of glory, and this crown is given to the faithful teachers, preachers, and leaders of their flock. So that's those who are in the fivefold ministry, uh, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, teacher, that's a Sunday school, those who are laity, that's uh, Sunday school teachers, youth teachers, uh, um uh, college professors who teach theology, anybody that shares the word of God with a group of people, and it's through the word that they teach that people get saved, that people get strengthened, that people get built up and mature, and they grow. This particular crown of glory is for you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And you can find that in uh, Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. You can find that in First Peter chapter 5, verses 2 through 4. Now the, rewards are, now, the, now, the rewards are for those who win the race and that special prize of winning the race and living the life that Christ would have us to live is eternal life. You see, when we accepted Christ and we gave ourselves over to him, we died uh, to sin. We died. The Bible says that we don't have to die anymore. When we close our eyes here in heaven, and the moment we close our eyes here and we open our eyes, because the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And wherever our reward is, whether it's heaven or hell, 
That's where you will open up your eyes. And if it's heaven, you will go away rejoicing. If it's hell, you will go into a time of sorrow and 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 a lot of a uh, lot of pain and and a a, a lot of um, things that you don't really want to have to see or deal with. But there are there are rewards uh, in the book even of Revelation. These are the rewards for uh, that Jesus is going to give us and. God himself is going to give us. And these are just rewards um, because of certain things that we were able to overcome. It says there's a reward for being an overcomer or victorious. Those who don't give up, those who don't quit, those who stand in their faith, there is and there are rewards for being an overcomer and for being victorious. There's a reward in Revelations 2 and 7 that says we will eat from the tree of life, meaning we will have eternal life. Uh, There's a reward that's in Revelations 2 and 11. It says we will not see hell. There is a reward in Revelations 2, 17 that says we will hunger no more and we will get a new name. There is a reward. Uh, for, there's a reward that says we will reign with Christ and have authority over nations. That's Revelations chapter two and verse twenty-six. There's a reward that says our names will be in the book of life, and all heaven will know we belong to Jesus Christ. That's Revelations three and five. Uh, uh, We will be citizens of heaven, and Jesus will write his name on us. That's Revelations 3. See, that's Revelations 3 and chapter 12. And then uh, it says, we will receive all of God's blessings and always be his children. And that's Revelations 21 and verse 7. So these are rewards. These are things that God said that we are going to be able to have just because we gave our lives to Jesus, just because we accepted the precious gift of salvation. That's why you want to give your life now. You you, you want to be ready when Jesus comes back in the rapture Because once the rapture hits and we are taken out of here, we have won. We have overcome. There is no more struggle, no more struggle for us. The struggle will then be upon the world and those who are left behind. It could be those who were playing church. It could be those who said they were Christians but they never were. It could be those who are hypocrites you know, living, saying that they're one thing but doing something else. There's going to be a lot of people left behind, but then there are going to be those who have endured and been patient and have waited on the return of Christ. There are those who have followed the Great Commission. There are those that witness. There are those that have walked in love. There are those that have have a prayer ministry and, and do Bible study and spend time with God in, in, in worship and praise. There's nothing like 
taking time out during the day and worshiping God, just laying before the Lord and just telling him how much you love him and then having him love you back. I tell you, when I started to begin to just spend time alone with God and just worship him every day, my life has gone through a great change. I'm experiencing things in Christ I've not experienced before. God is a promise keeper. Everything that God says he will do for you, he will do. And so we're going to go ahead now and we're going to start in on our um, today's lesson, which is the marriage supper of the Lamb. And um, it says in Revelations, I believe it's in Revelations, okay, I wrote down the wrong scripture, but I'm still going to read it to you, and I will get that uh, scripture back to you. It says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God Almighty reigns. And then verse 7 says, Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints, the righteous deeds, the things that you did in your body while you were here on earth, the things that uh, when 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 your works were thrown into the fire, were thrown into the fire, uh, came back as precious stones and silver and gold, and 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 they were not burned up. This is what it's talking about here. It says, "For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints, the beautiful things that you did, that you were obedient, that you were committed to Christ." God is going to have his bride be pure and 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 there'll be so much glory and, and so much brightness within her. And the angel and the angel said to me, Write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Now, when the scripture when it talks about the marriage of the lamb to the bride, which is the church, we we look at the way that that this is uh, presented to us is the way it, uh, actual Jewish marriages did take place uh, back in the time of Christ, and so there were um, there were like various uh, stages of things that took place. Uh, And so um, there were various things that took place. So in in the marriage of the lamb, it kind of follows that same uh, way of how they got married back then and what Christ is going to do 
with the bride or the church uh, after the rapture and after the Bema Seat judgment. It says there are three stages to marriage, and there are three people or three who are direct participants in this marriage nuptials. Now, first of all, there is a marriage host, and we know who the host is going to be at this wedding, and that is the Father God. And you can find that in Luke 14, chapter 16, and verse 23. Jesus said to him, a man gave a big dinner. He invited many people. When it was time to eat, he sent his servant to tell the guests to come. The food is ready. But all the guests say they could not come. Each one had an excuse. And in verse 19 and 20, it talks about the different excuses people gave. No more than the type of excuses that we use today. And down in verse 21, it says, So the servant uh, returned and told his master what happened. The master was angry, and he said, Hurry, go into the streets and the alleys of the town. Bring me the poor, the crippled, the blind, and even the lame. And later the servant came to him, Master, I did what you told me to do, but we still have places for more people. The master said to the servant, Go out to the highways, country roads, and tell the people there to come. I want my house to be full. God had planned this so many years ago, and with his people in Israel, he had invited them. They were the invited guests to this particular wedding, but they they, they began to make excuses on why they couldn't come, why they couldn't do this, why they couldn't do that. So God said, well, go get those who nobody wants. Go get the lame, the poor, the blind, the sick. You know, and tell them I want them. And these people came, uh, and these people were considered like the Gentiles, and which, uh, if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile, which is what uh, we would be considered today. And then uh, Jesus said, the Father said, there's still not enough people to come. So Jesus, God doesn't want anybody to be left out. He wants it that everybody will be saved. So he keeps going out and he keeps inviting people. He keeps inviting people to come to him. But people say, no, you know, I got this to do, I got that to do. Well, no, you know, I don't want to go because so-and-so is going, so-and-so is going to be there. And so God said, you know what, just whoever will, just invite them to be a part of this great time. And then the th- the second person you have is um it's the bridegroom, who is Jesus. Uh, Matthew 3 and uh, verse 17 says, A voice from heaven said, This is my son, the one I love. I am very pleased with him. Uh, the third person would be the bride, which is the church. Second Corinthians 11 and verse 2 says, I am jealous for you with a jealousy that comes from God. I promised to give you to Christ. He must be your only husband. I want to give you to Christ 
to be his pure bride. So you can see right here that the church is the bride of Christ. But the thing that Jesus says is, I'm jealous. I don't want you uh, hanging out with somebody else. I'm your only husband. I want to be the one to be there for you and to take care of you. But what happens is we begin to commit spiritual adultery because we start going out into the world because things aren't going the way we think they should. Even like in natural marriage, we have problems and situations, and one of the spouses will go off and commit adultery, or maybe both will because of dissatisfaction. But Jesus is saying, I am your true husband, saying, wait on me, believe in me, trust in me. The things that I said I'm going to do, I'm going to do. And so we see the three main participants in the wedding. And then we see the first stage, which is the betrothal or the engagement. And it is during this time that a bride was selected. Uh, that's Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Uh, usually in uh, the Jewish uh, betrothal, I'm sorry, I can't really pronounce that word, a marriage contract was signed by the parents of the bride and the bridegroom and his parents would pay a dowry. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20 to the bride and or her parents. This stage was usually initiated by the groom's father. This began what was called the betrothal period, and this is what today we call the engagement. And so that's basically we don't sign like contracts with each other's parents and things like that today, but it is, you know, some uh, uh, their husband or their Room to be will give the bride to be a ring, and that ring is a symbol. It's a contract, like it's it's a it's a covenant, like it's a promise to say, I want to marry you. I want you to be my be my wife. So this is the betrothal or the engagement uh, stage. Uh, this particular stage has already happened because we are betrothed to Christ through salvation or and committing ourselves to him. Um, if you're not saved, if you've never committed your life, if you're not walking in salvation, you are not going to be a part of the bride of Christ. But if you are saved, you will be uh, a part of the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. Uh, the church is the body. And so Jesus is going to connect himself to his body. Things will happen a little later on when we get into the um, book of Revelation where you'll see a little bit and understand a little bit more about Christ and the church and the part that the church is going to play in the second coming of Christ. But right now, this, is, uh, this here is the last part that we will actually be talking about the church is during this marriage and marriage feast because the church will not return uh, uh, to in the book of Revelations until around Revelations chapter 19. 
Now, the second stage of the um, marriage proposal, this is uh, called the presentation stage. This is when the groom comes by the order of his father with legal uh, credentials to bring the bride to the father's home for the wedding. This process usually occurs a year later when the bridegroom, accompanied by his male uh, parade or entourage, and they go parading through the streets. The bride would know in advance and this was going, that this was going to take place. So she would be ready with her maidens, and they would all join the parade and end up at the bridegroom's home. This is when the bride is given to the bridegroom by the bridegroom's father. Because the marriage has already been arranged, the father tells the son, everything is prepared, go and get your bride. And in Jewish custom, custom. Uh, the bridegroom and what we would say today and his ushers and the bride and her bridesmaids, uh, the men would come and get the bride and then she would bring her bridesmaids along and then they would all take a trip and go to the father's house or the house of the groom. And uh, as I said, this is when the bride is given to the bridegroom about his by his father the bridegroom's father would take the bride's hand and then he would take her hand and put it in the hand of her of her future husband. And it was at this time that this was the presentation because he was presenting her to his son. Now, this has not happened yet because the presentation would be for the bride, for the church, and for uh, the marriage of the Lamb, this would be uh, the rapture period. The presentation period is the rapture period. The only thing that has happened so far is the engagement period. But when the rapture hits, then this presentation period, when we are joined together with Christ after the Bema Seat Judgment, and after being awarded the the different awards. And then the third stage is the um, celebration stage. This takes place at the home of the Father. Now, what I like about this is the Scripture says in John 14, chapter 1 through 3, and it says, I go to my Father's house to prepare, hallelujah, I go to my father's house to prepare a place for you because in my father's house are many mansions. So Jesus is getting everything ready. And once everything is ready on the father's side of what uh, the father God has to do, then he's going to tell his son, the bridegroom, to go and get your bride. And like I said earlier, that would be the presentation stage. So now, uh, as I said, this all is getting ready to take uh, take place at the home of the Father soon after the Bema Seat Judgment. Now, after the Bema Seat Judgment, there is a private wedding of the bride and the lamb or the bride and Jesus. 
and this private um, wedding will be performed right there in heaven. It was usually customary for the bride to be hidden away to uh to be hidden away to rest and get accustomed to her new surroundings, also to get dressed for her wedding. Well, we already know that once our works uh, were thrown into the fire and either what was burned up or what remained good, uh, we learned that, uh, that when our deeds were good, that uh, opened up the, the area of the fine linen to be able to dress in the fine white, bright linen which would be considered like a gown um, because there's going to be so many people and it's just going to be a sea of white, just a sea of white, and the, and, and the white is going to be so bright, the apparel that the church will be wearing. So the church gets a chance to uh, be in heaven and rest and get accustomed to things right there in heaven. And um, once everything is ready, she and her groom go out to greet the people to begin the public wedding and marriage feast here on earth. And this happens between the second coming, which is in Revelation 19, and the millennial reign, which is in Revelation chapter 20. And the marriage supper, and the marriage supper itself, uh, can possibly go on for days and days in the Jewish custom. The the uh, wedding went on for several days, maybe seven seven to ten days. So we don't know how long the wedding feast is, but this is why God is saying um, that I believe it is um, I believe it is Revelation 19 where it talks about people being invited to the wedding feast. Because it is when the bride and the groom, when Jesus comes back for the second coming to set his rule on the earth, when he comes back to be Lord and Savior, King of kings and Lord of lords over his creation, he is bringing the bride back with him, the church back with him, and the church will will rule and uh, 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 govern. With Jesus, there are certain giftings and certain things that he's going to give uh, the church to do. We're not going to be like we are today, but we are coming back in our glorified form. So things will be a lot different uh, during that time. Um, and I see that the time is is, is leaving me, but... Uh, the guests who will be invited to this are the Israelites, because at this time when Jesus comes back, he's going to rage war with the Antichrist, and uh, him and the false prophet are going to be thrown into the lake of fire. Um, those who are unbelievers who have never, who don't want to accept Christ, who, who said curse God and die, who who just just did not believe, uh, they hated God. They never believed in God. Uh, he's going to separate them from the people that are saved here on the earth who were saved during the uh, tribulation period, and they will be sent off to uh, their place in hell. Uh, the 
the uh, the church, those who who made it through the tribulation period, they are also going to be the invited guests uh, of the uh, of the of the bride and the groom at the at the marriage feast. Um, this is a there is a great certainty about this marriage. The bridegroom, the bridegroom from the beginning, the bridegroom has expressed his love to his bride and will never change. That's Hebrew chapter 13 and 8. Uh, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His love for his bride, his love for his church will never change. The bride, she is already glorified and sinless and cannot be tempted to change her mind and lose her love for her husband, which would be Jesus Christ. And that's Ephesians chapter 27. Um, They will never be separated. The bride will never die. That's John 11 and 26, and it says, everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe? And then the groom will also never die. That's... um, Gosh, I didn't write that scripture down either. But it says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Hallelujah. And so um, I'm going to go ahead and end this this part of the teaching here um, just to kind of go over it a little bit. The dowry when it talks about a dowry, that they used to pay a dowry to the bride, to the bride's parents. The dowry that was paid was when Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood for our sins. That was the dowry. That's how he paid for his wife. Um, the, the rapture, as I said, has not taken place. But when it does take place, uh, we are looking to have a glorious time in heaven. Our lives will forever change. The moment uh, our bodies are glorified, our bodies will change, as we saw in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, our bodies will be changed forever. We will not be the same people that we are today. We won't be people that quick-tempered anymore, uh, easily tempted, like our whole lives will change. We'll be totally different. The scripture says we will become just like Christ. And so I pray that you receive some clarity on this um, about the, the marriage of the Lamb. It is very important to know where the church is heading. From this point on, we will not be talking uh, anymore about the church for a while, not until uh, the second coming of Jesus Christ. But um, I want you to know today that God loves you, and uh, you don't have to uh, uh, go through the tribulation period at all. But that's our next um, that's our next lesson. We're going to start getting into the tribulation period. We're going to find out about the gold, uh, the bowls and the seals and the trumpets and the different things that's going to happen on the earth, the Antichrist, 
all of this stuff we're going to find out about. And so I just want you to keep tuning in. Uh, start even reading the book of, uh, of Revelation. I know it can be a little confusing. It may also even be a little scary. But I guarantee you that once we go through this lesson, that you will really begin to understand what is going on. But know that if you're saved, you're not going through the tribulation. But if not, if you're not saved, you will go through the tribulation period. And that's not something that God wants for you. Well, anyway, we get glory and honor to God. Hallelujah. Before we leave the broadcast, we're going to ask you that you will email us at a word from God7 at gmail.com. Again, that's a word from God7 at gmail.com. If you have any questions about what I'm saying, um, please reach out to us. Uh, if you have uh, like any contact information or for me to come and speak or minister at your church, please email us. Um, if you have any prayer requests, if you have any biblical questions, or even if you have donations, email us at a word from God seven at gmail.com. Well, thank you for tuning in to a word from God on blogtalkradio.com. I am your radio hostess, Evangelist Rebecca Collier Hagler, saying thank you for joining us. May God richly bless all of your endeavors for Him. So until next time, have a joyous and a blessed day. And remember, I will not be on on the 18th and the 19th. The next time, uh, the show will be on with you September 20th at 3 o'clock p.m. God bless you guys. Love you. Bye-bye.
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.